As I say to my own church, please do keep your Bible open and check that what you are hearing from me is actually in God's word. And that if I'm saying things that I cannot back up from God's word, you have no reason to believe it. But if God says it, then we should indeed be obeying it. Um, One of the issues which I think we can easily see around us today is... Uh, are the tensions that are caused by social media. And indeed, some of the problems that are caused, not least, is being spotted amongst teenage girls who have rising anxiety uh, caused by comparing one another on social media. So uh, one of the issues that uh, people may have is that uh, we always see an ideal image of other people, and this can lead to jealousy. Oh, I wish I had this this. Um, this person's dress, or I wish I was on holiday in a place where this person is. And it can create a sense of jealousy, a sense of dissatisfaction, and in in turn cause anxiety. But the question that lies behind those images is, do you know that person's real life, rather than just the way they've, they've presented themselves in social media? It's easy to be jealous. It's easy to um, be taken up with an image that we see at a distance rather than thinking of what that person is actually like. Now, something along these lines was happening in the church in Corinth. In our reading, we saw that in 1 Corinthians 12. And the Apostle Paul is having to address an issue where this church, which was blessed in many ways, God had given them so much... And yet, there were various problems within it that he was needing to address. Uh, Some of them uh, were effectively acting like baby Christians. They were immature. They needed to grow up and see how they should treat one another. And the problem seems to have been over this issue of spiritual gifts, although uh, when Paul begins chapter 12 talking about spiritual gifts, the word he uses can just mean spiritual things or what it is to be spiritual, to be someone filled with the Holy Spirit. And it appears that there were people who were blessed with some spectacular gifts. Uh, Some were able to speak in tongues, to speak in different languages. Others were able to prophesy. Others had gifts of healing. But there were people with more ordinary gifts who seemed to be look down on. In one of the lists he gives in, the, uh, in this uh, chapter, he actually includes administration as one of them, uh, a gift I still long for and pray that the Lord would bless me with. But Paul in this chapter is saying how wrong it, their thinking is. As in many cases in this letter, what he has to do is he has to write quite firmly to them to get them to see that the way they are thinking is mistaken. What they need to do is to get their thinking straight about who the Holy Spirit is and what it is for his gifts to empower his church. So the title of our message today then is God's power to build up his church. God's power to build up his church. And we're going to see today that God is at work in us for the good of his church. God is at work in us for the good of his church. And I'm praying that as a result of this, that we might all join in serving the church in God's power. So first of all, we're going to look at verses one to three. And there we see that you need Jesus to have his spirit. You need Jesus 
to have his spirit. Now, if you're a football fan, you may well have your own particular club and you may even be a proud possessor of that club's shirt. Um, my own team, Ipswich Town, we're in League One, for those of you who haven't heard of us, we're not in the Premier League. Uh, we have got a really lovely home kit this season and it's worn and indeed sponsored by none other than Ed Sheeran, who uh, for his misfortune happens to be an Ipswich fan, but we're very glad that he's making lots of money and is able to put it into our club. Anyway, to buy one, I just thought I'd look it up, it will cost me over £50. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems rather a lot of money for um, a piece of sportswear. Now, the temptation is what to do. Do you pay over £50 for, your, uh, for the shirt of your favourite football team, or do you buy a fake one? Do you buy a knockoff? Now, I don't think Ipswich are quite at the state yet where we have many of those available, but if you support other clubs, you may well be able to get one of these. Now, the thing is, what about those fakes? What about those knockoffs? They may be cheaper, but how are they going to look after a few washes? It probably won't last as well, will it? The colours will fade, the material won't be as good, and so on. So it looks like the real thing, but it isn't, and it lets you down. Now, what Paul is talking about here in these verses, one to three, is that there are people who may claim to worship God. They may claim to know God. They may even have things that look like spiritual gifts. But if they don't know the true and living God through the Lord Jesus Christ, what they're worshipping is a fake. It's a knockoff. You may well have friends yourself who have had deep spiritual experiences. Uh, they may tell of how these things have helped them and what wonderful things they have known. But Paul lays down a very clear criteria here. Let's look at verses 1 to 3. Um, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Paul's simple question then is, what do you think of Jesus? That's the way which we measure whether someone has had a true and genuine spiritual experience or not or one that counts, at the very least. What do you think of Jesus? It appears that some were even cursing him there. We, we, it's very hard to know exactly what is meant by that, but they, some people seem to think they could even curse Jesus. Now, today, we rarely get people being quite so upfront in what they say about him, though some may. Amongst many people, we might, if we were to ask them what they think of Jesus, we may get replies such as, well, he is a good teacher. He was an important leader. Maybe our Muslim friends might say, well, he is a prophet. Our Jehovah's Witnesses uh, friends might say, well, he is an angel. But what is the view of Jesus that really counts? Paul makes it really clear. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, in verse 3 there. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So that's the question. Is Jesus your Lord. You might ask, well, what does Paul mean by that? If you were to turn back a page to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul actually outlines this here. 
And interestingly, he's talking in a context about food being offered to idols. And he writes there, uh, chapter 8 and verse 4, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Do you see here that when Paul is talking about lords or, or rulers and gods and putting them beside one another, he's effectively saying they're the same thing. We can look to an idol as our lord. We can have something else in our life that occupies that space it's for uh, the thing that we are living for. And it may have been a, a statue of a god in the society in which Paul was writing to there in ancient Corinth. For us... It may be money, it may be fame, it may be our career, it may be our education. But notice what Paul says, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom are all things and through whom we exist. So when Paul is saying, back in chapter 12, that No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's not saying someone can just mouth those words and that's somehow the work of the Holy Spirit. He's saying that to call Jesus Lord is to say that he is my only ruler and he is my only God. To say that he came from heaven, he died and rose again for me so that I might know God. And it is only by the Holy Spirit's power that we can say this. Paul is implying here the truth that he spells out elsewhere. That all of us by nature are dead in our sins. We are spiritually dead before God. We are rebels and um, sinners. We, we, We are turned against God from birth. The only way we can be changed is through God working in our hearts, through the Holy Spirit bringing life to us. And it's if he needs to take away, um, remove the blindness from us, to give us eyes to see Jesus as our only God and Lord. And then we can say, from the heart, Jesus is Lord. So this means for us, that in before we begin to consider this issue of, of spiritual gifts and how we serve in the body, that following Jesus as Lord, this is what shows the genuine work of the Holy Spirit within us. This is what shows us to be those who are empowered and equipped to be able to serve God in his body, in his fellowship. Therefore, if you have friends who claim to have been blessed with with a wonderful kind of experience and they're very eager to tell you about it, be aware that it may be deceptive. It may be, at best, it's inadequate unless it is focused on knowing Jesus as Lord. So if you haven't already, you need to see Jesus as the one who came to die on the cross, who rose from the dead for you, to be your Lord, to be Lord of the world.
to be Lord over your life. Is that true of you today? If not, ask God to give you his Holy Spirit to be able to see that. And if that you do claim to be a follower of Jesus here today, and you know that the Holy Spirit has worked in your life, then you need to look at your life to see where does my life actually show I am my own Lord? Where does my life show that my work is my Lord? My desire for a better life is my Lord. And we need God's help to repent, to turn from anything that we are putting in a place that belongs to Jesus alone. Otherwise, we're following a fake. We're following a knockoff. Something that imitates in some way, gives us something temporarily, but that only Jesus can give us fully. So, you need Jesus. You need Jesus to um, have his spirit. You need Jesus to have his spirit. But in the second part, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, from verses 4 to 11, we see here that you need God's power to serve his church. You need God's power to serve his church. During the summer months, we um, had the wonderful opportunity of shopping for shoes for a particular member of our family. Now, shopping for shoes takes time, more time than I think it's possible to have, okay? Um, Some aren't the right colour, some aren't the right style, some look like they're going to wear out very quickly. There's those which are too big, those are too small, that aren't quite the right fit. However, if you're patient, you'll usually find one that is just the right fit and the right style that you are looking for. Mostly until the next time. Now, it seems that the way God has ordered his church, the way God has given what we call his spiritual gifts to his church, is a bit like shopping for shoes, hopefully with less stress. In other words, what we mean is this. God has so given his gifts that through gathering together, we all possess something that is of a help and blessing to somebody else within the fellowship. If we can put it like this, if this isn't too weird a concept, you have been given a pair of shoes that fit somebody else's feet, maybe not your own. How can we know this? Well, because the same Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus to you gives you a gift to serve God here in his church. The same Holy Spirit who's revealed Jesus to you then empowers you. He gives you a gift, or gifts even, by which you can serve God here in his church. And we see this in verse 4, where we read that there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Do you see here how Paul has named there the Spirit, the Lord and God? In other words, he's speaking of the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Spirit. And just as God is one and yet exists as three in one, so his church, although made up of many parts, of many members... We serve together as one body. And God empowers us to serve one another. And above all, this is the work of the Holy Spirit to give us his gifts, his abilities, we might say, his power to serve 
others in the church. And in what follows, Paul lists a number of different gifts. Teaching, leading, serving, giving generously. And he also mentions talking about gifts of wisdom, speaking of wisdom, knowledge and prophecy, the ability to work miracles and so on. Now, Christians do argue about precisely what these gifts are, what they should look like today. But the main point is this. All who worship Jesus as Lord, we're all given a special gift. We're all given an ability to serve God in his church. Paul mentions this in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I don't know what concept you have of where you fit into church. Maybe you tend to think that it is down to your pastor, your elders, your leaders to run things, shall we say, in a church. And maybe you'll fit in and do a bit here and there. Paul has a very different idea. He talks about in Ephesians chapter 4 and from verse 11, that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. That's God's people. That's all who believe in Jesus for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And he goes on to explain more until in verse 16, he says, uh, well, from verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In other words, God gives the leaders, those with speaking gifts especially to the church, in order to build the body up. And each part does its work. Therefore, as God empowers us to serve him in his church, we help one another. We help others within the church. So I might be coming along this morning and I'll be feeling down. I might be feeling really disappointed. But one of you can say an encouraging word to help me. I may be struggling to pay my bills this month, but one of you can give me enough to get by for this month. I may not be able to see how Jesus makes a difference to my friends, but one of you can help me to understand how I can share the good news of Jesus and to talk to them. I might have a big decision to make, and I really don't know what the right thing to do is, but one of you can give me some wise advice that will help me in that. So God gives all of us gifts to serve in his church. Now, people sometimes ask, well, how do I actually know, though, what my gifts are? And I suspect that there are two questions to to ask here. First is, what needs to be done? The second is, what do I desire to do? First ask, what needs to be done? And then secondly, what do I desire to do? It might start with us just being willing to step up and serve. It might be that some of us just need to see that there are things in the church that need to be done, and we need to step up and be willing to serve. After all, Jesus came as a servant. 
Jesus specifically said that the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served even, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Therefore, if we are followers of he who is a servant king, our first desire should be to serve as well. So first of all, are we willing to step up and serve? Do you just need to uh, ask Ola, or ask um, Chola, what can I be doing here? What things needs doing? It may well be, though, that we have desires that we think, well, maybe there's other things that uh, we're presently not doing which I could serve in. Well, maybe. Again, you maybe need to talk about that. The time might not be now. It may well be that um, you think God has given you wonderful gifts of speaking or singing. But maybe the church needs someone to put chairs out or to visit older members. And that's the present need. Are you willing to step up and do those first and serve God in that way? But as you do so, God will enable you to use the gift or ability that he has given you by his Holy Spirit to serve others. So you need God's power to serve his body, the church. But then finally, in verses 12 to 20, we see that you need to belong to the body to serve it. You need to belong to the body to serve it. There's a French animated film called I Lost My Body. And it's about a young man who has an accident that results in his hand being cut off. Now, it's before lunchtime, so I'm hoping I can get away with what I'm about to say. The story follows this hand, this dismembered hand, as it escapes from a medical fridge and then explores the city trying to find the young man from whom it has been now separated. Now, the idea maybe to us of a dismembered hand walking around sounds a bit horrific. Okay, may well be. And that's because we know that a part of a body only has its place when it is joined to a body. It needs to belong to the body to serve it. And Paul goes on to say to the Corinthian Christians that the way they were behaving, they were like that dismembered hand. They were failing to see that they belonged to the body. And that the way to which they were to serve was not to say, oh, how great a hand I am, or a foot, or an eye. They needed to be part of the body. So he explains in verse 12, For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but of many and then he goes on to imagine slightly comically about what it would be for one part of the body to boast over another the point though paul is making is that if god if you are a follower of jesus christ if god has worked in you by the spirit as we saw earlier and therefore you are part of his church because the Holy Spirit is empowering you, he has joined you to this, then you need to see that you belong to the body and you have a part to play 
in serving. You have a unique contribution to give that nobody else can. Just as the eye cannot be a foot, nor can it be a hand. You need to belong to the body to serve it. But therefore, this begs the question, do you actually belong to the church? Have you actually joined the church as a member? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? Have you been baptised? And have you joined the church as a member? Because you need to be part of the body. Otherwise, you're like that hand wandering round apart from the body. And again, Paul helps us to understand this. If you were to uh, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he's dealing with an issue of, of sin in the church and the need to even exclude someone for their actions. But he, he says something that, that is very helpful for understanding the importance of recognising who is in the body. He says at the end of uh, what he's saying there, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? His point is that if you have a body, you need to know which parts belong to that body. Um, I'm sure we've all had that experience of maybe if we've been sitting in a chair for a long time, crossed our legs or something like that, and then suddenly our leg goes, goes dead, as we say. It goes completely numb, and you try to stand on it, and, and it kind of feels as if somehow that doesn't belong to you. And it's a strange experience. We expect to be able to rely on part of our body when it is there. But from what Paul is saying here, it is our responsibility to know who is inside and who is outside the church. As he says again in verse 12 of chapter 5, for what of I to do with judging outsiders? Paul is saying that there are people who are outside the church. They are not my responsibility in dealing with the issues he's discussing here. Is, not the, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So really, what Paul is saying is that you can divide the whole of humanity almost into two, or two groups of two. First of all, let's just say for the sake of argument, you have those inside the church and you have those outside. Now, if you are inside the church, if you are part of a regular gathering here, the question is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ, as we've already seen? If you are not following Jesus as Lord, however much you may think of this as being your local church, you do not belong to it, in as much as that you have not actually joined it. You are not a member of it. You are not able to serve as part of the body until you come to follow Jesus, to know the work of his Holy Spirit within you, to be baptised and join as a member. Those who are outside are either members of other local churches, and they need to be encouraged to be part uh, of them, or they need, to, they need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus themselves. But if we are those who follow Jesus and gather here regularly, the question is, are we actually members of this body? Have we confessed Jesus? 
publicly? Have we been baptised? Have we joined it? You need to belong to the body to serve it. So take your part. Join this body. Ask about becoming a church member. If you need to know more of what it is to follow Jesus as Lord, what it is to be baptised and to join the church, then I'm sure that your elders will be only too pleased to talk with you. But if God has indeed worked within you and placed you here, then God has given you, and you alone, power to serve in a special way here at Grace Baptist Church in Bexley Heath. So we've seen that God is at work in us for the good of his church. We've seen that you need Jesus to have his spirit. We've seen that you need God's power to serve his church and that you need to belong to the body to serve it. Let's come to God in prayer. Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the light and life of your church, open our hearts to the riches of your grace that we might bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.